sit down and looked at it for a while and then fell asleep uh, in my office. Tom was nice enough to leave me alone. However, I did lock the door because I didn't trust him. Uh, but uh, no, we, you know, it. Uh, this is going to go with with what we heard in the testimonies tonight too. And now I know that this is what what God wanted tonight. And I've been reading in Second Chronicles for a while, and have gotten so much more out of it this year than I have in all the years been reading through the scriptures. And and uh, it's been fascinating to me to uh, look at the lives of these kings that were. Uh, kings over the, uh, the the greatest nation that the world has ever known and God's chosen nation and now it's very difficult you need to uh, sometimes you have to slow down and give thought because we're talking about a divided nation at this time we're talking about Israel the ten northern tribes and Judah the the southern two tribes Judah and Benjamin and and so you have to keep track of these kings because uh, sometimes the, the writer uh, doesn't always clarify that, so you have to go back and pay attention to what's going on. But Judah had stayed uh, on the path of, of righteousness and following the Lord much better than Israel, and uh, Israel was uh, uh, not doing right and never was. Uh, they never did do right in God's eyes as soon as Jeroboam split from Rehoboam, uh, who was the son of uh, Solomon, and took Israel down, down a path, and they were very ungodly, very worldly, and did not represent God uh, at all with any of their kings. But Judah had somewhat hung on, and, and Judah would have good kings and bad kings along the way. And, and tonight I want to contrast a, uh, a father and a son. And uh, these two, the, the father, uh, Ahaz, and then the son is Hezekiah. And just the opposite of what you would think in this, Ahaz, the father, doesn't do right. But the child does. And it's just the opposite of what you usually think or see happen, but we see this happen. And so we're just going to go over some thoughts in this. And. Second Chronicles 28, verse 1, Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, but he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, and made also molten images for Balaam. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and burnt his children in the fire, after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He sacrificed also and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Wherefore the Lord his God delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria, and they smote him and carried him uh, and carried away a great multitude of them captives and brought them to Damascus, and he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel, who smote him with a great slaughter. So we have a civil war going on. We have a nation of Israel fighting with each other, and there was a, 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 just a, a great fight that went on. 
And in this, it tells us in verse 6, For Pekah, the son of Remaliah, slew in Judah 120,000 in one day, which were all valiant men because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. Now, I I don't even want to think about what that would do to a country economically. What, what that would do to a, uh, uh, a country uh, in, in every area. Could you imagine in one day you lose 120,000 members of your society? And in one day they did that and, and they lose it to Israel, the northern tribes. And, and so we see just a terrible fight that, that's going on here in and it tells us that, that the king, he, uh, uh, he lost his own son. He lost the governor of the house. And, and he even lost Elkanah that was next to the king. Uh, I mean, he, he lost everything. And the children of Israel carried away captive of their brethren, 200,000 women, sons, and daughters, and took also away much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. I mean, we see some terrible things that are going on. And we know and, and we see this in, in our country. We, we see this going on in Cuba. We see this going on in worldwide. We, we see the fights that are, that are going on. And, and Satan is very busy to continue to keep people divided and to uh, continue to keep uh, fellow countrymen divided. We, we know that. And and we understand that, and we know the battle that's going on, and it's far more than just a political battle. It, it is a spiritual battle that we're dealing with, and, and we could lose all hope, and I'm sure that there were many here that had lost a lot of hope. We have 120,000 men that had died overnight, and now we have over 200,000 uh, women and children that have been taken captive, and, and people are looking around, and they're thinking, what in the world is going on? And then I can't but help. I put a little asterisk by this and highlighted this. But verse 9, but a prophet of the Lord was there. You know, God, God is always there. And God is always there to answer and to uh, be there for those who are seeking him. And how, how good is that to know that and, and it doesn't matter how far you've gone, and, and it doesn't matter how detrimental the circumstances have become and how disastrous our choices have become, God is always there. And, and here, uh, a prophet of the Lord was there whose name was Oded. Went out before the host that came to Samaria and said unto them, Behold, because the Lord God of your fathers was wroth with Judah, he was angry with Judah, he hath delivered them into your hand. You, Israel, you need to understand that the only reason that you won this battle is because God was upset and angry with Judah. It had nothing to do with your ability and your prowess and, and, and your, your uh, uh, readily available military that was mightier than Judah. It was none of that whatsoever. God delivered them into your hand. And it was his choice to do so. He had delivered them into your hand, and you have slain them in a rage that reacheth up unto heaven. 
so now he says he remember when Solomon was king and they built the temple and it tells us that God's glory enveloped the entire temple and the smoke was so thick that the priests had to step outside because they couldn't even go in there and and the incense of the uh, of the sacrifices that were being made were a sweet savor to the nostrils of our God and and how pleased he was with that country at that time and serving him and walking with him and and now he says the only thing that I hear and the only thing that has reached heaven is the rage of countrymen killing one another and he says and now ye purpose to keep under the children of Judah and Jerusalem for bondmen and bondwomen unto you but are there not with you even with you sins against the Lord your God oh how you need to remember and understand that you have sins of your your own that you need to deal with and and how often it is that we need to be reminded that that we are no better than anyone else and even as God told uh, Paul wrote and God used Paul to write this to the Romans and and he said um, he said not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think and how we need to understand and realize that that every one of us could end up becoming just like this man at Israel and this king of Israel and these people of Israel and killing their own countrymen and and instead of all of them just getting on their knees and praying for forgiveness and and seeking repentance and looking to God and coming back together as they should and no longer be a divided nation but be one nation that God wanted them to be and and here the the prophet comes in he says Oh, you need to remember that the only reason Judah is in your hands is because God has allowed it. And don't think that God doesn't see your sin. You need to pay attention. Now hear me, therefore, and deliver the captives again, which ye have taken captive of your brethren, for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Tells us over in Hebrews chapter 12 and last verse I believe is verse 29 and it says that our God is a what a consuming fire and so here we need to understand that oh I know this is the Old Testament and and there are those that that uh, seem to find no use in this because now we are we, we are in the hippie age of peace love dope and make love and all is good and the grace of God covers everything God's not mocked. God is not pleased with those who continue to walk in rebellion. And we need to understand that the wrath of God and God himself is a consuming fire. And so here he tells them, he says, Israel, you need to listen to me. Don't you be taking Judah captive. You return them back to their homeland and let them go back and make sure that you do this now israel is not known for listening to god israel has been very rebellious for years and years now and and however i love this how how god speaks this through this man Oded, and and they listen and they tell them they tell the soldiers they say you return those people we don't want them 
because God's wrath is a fierce wrath. And, and it even says that uh, ye intend to add more to our sins and to our trespass, for our trespass is great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So here we have the, all of this going on, and, and Ahaz being 20 years old when he came in, and, and, and you would think after losing 120,000 soldiers and, and, and uh, losing your own son and losing your right-hand men that were around you and, and watching them parade off with all of your people, you would think that he would pay attention and do the right thing, but it tells us in verse 16, at that time did King Ahaz send unto the kings of Assyria to help him. You know, we, we look at this and we think, what is this guy thinking? And, and d does he not get it? But how often do we see the, and do the same thing? And, and we run for places that, for help that we shouldn't. And James even reminds us of this in chapter 1, James chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And here we look at this king and how he had the opportunity to get things right with God and turn back to God, and instead he seeks the world for help. How often do we catch ourselves doing the same thing? How often do we try to justify what we're doing or, or I don't know, we just walk away and, and, and do things that... that uh, aren't correct and are disobedient to God's word and, and how we see that uh, we bring disaster upon our own lives often because we do the same thing. Well, and here he does that. And it tells us that he's seeking the world for help. And then it tells us in verse 20, And Tiglath-Pilnezer, uh, king of Assyria, came unto him and distressed him, but strengthened him not. And I don't believe that it was talking about Assyria giving him strength either. I believe that uh, God made sure that he wasn't strengthened himself. And then verse 21, for Ahaz took away a portion one, uh, uh, out of the house of the Lord, now the house of the king and of the princes, and gave it unto the king of Assyria, but he helped him not. T two things here. First of all, the world is never going to help you walk spiritually. And it's never going to help you to draw closer to God. This world, the carnal system that it is, the, the devil's world that is here today is in enmity with God. And we need to come to a point where, where we live in this world, but there is absolutely nothing in this world that ought to distract us from what we ought to be doing. We were well reminded of that this morning and how we need to be all in every day and and that that message that that message isn't just for some someone who has never uh, made that commitment i'm telling you that's for pastors 
that, that's for people that are in the ministry daily, that, that are in that full time. That's for those that are in the congregation that sell cars, build buildings, paint, paint houses, uh, you know, whatever it is. It's for every one of us, and daily we need to understand that the world is constantly trying to pull us aside and, and trying to get us distracted from being what God wants us to be. Well, Ahaz did that, and, and he never did find any help from the king of Assyria. He never found any help from the world, and, and as long as he was looking for the world for help, he was never finding any help from God. Sometimes, maybe why we think that God isn't listening to our prayers is because there's iniquity in our hearts. We need to get things right. And then we see four things here. Distress brings disobedience. And in the time of his distress, now he's come to a point where he's getting pretty desperate and, and things are pretty bad. And, and what does he do here again in a distressed moment? The first action that we ought to do is be down on our knees looking for help from heaven. And in his distress did he trespass yet more against the Lord. This is that king Ahaz. You know, I, you know what I heard this morning? I, I don't know if I should share. I, I am, because I think it's a fair warning for all of us. I, I had a phone call before church this morning, and, and uh, another pastor messed his life up and messing around in some kind of an adulterous affair and lost the ministry, probably will lose his family because of what he was doing. And you, you know what you do? You take the look, you look, and you don't quit looking. Or you look, and then you look away, and then pretty soon you look back, and, and then the next day it goes a little further, goes a little further. This didn't happen overnight. And, and so... He, he finally comes to a point in horrible distress and still makes the wrong decisions and he ends up losing everything. You know what we need to do? We need to, I tell you this all the time because I need to do it too, you need to keep a close account of sin. As soon as that eye wanders, you get convicted and the Holy Spirit will convict you if you're a son or a child of God, Okay. You're, if you're a child of God, you'll be convicted. You need to be listening. And when he convicts you, you need to get it right with God. You need to repent of what you're doing. You need to walk forward and do the things that God wants you to do. You're tempted in some addiction that you've had. Turn away from it as soon as you uh, have that first look or the first craving or, or whatever, the first thought or whatever. You confess it immediately and get it right with God. And, and, and you don't get to the point where... You get to this distressed moment where then distress brings disobedience. Because disobedience then brings idolatry. And, and we know in, uh, in 1 Corinthians it tells us that what is fornication? Idolatry. I mean, it, it's, a, it's an idol worship of your own body. It's a worship of your own sinful flesh and lust that you have. And, and pushing forward to get everything that you want and... And you place yourself in the place of God, and, 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 it, and it brings idolatry. And look at this. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus 
which smote him. Never in his mind did he think that, you know what I need to do? I need to repent and get right with God. Instead, he looks at this in the world's eyes and, well, their God must be mightier than my God. Well, who's your God? You haven't been worshiping God anyway. But oh, how if you just get right with God, you'd be okay. And, and instead, he sacrifices them. He said, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, therefore will I sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. Well, I, I can tell you that there's a lot of people, and, and I can, you can preach this till you're blue in the face. And, and look, you are here. Praise the Lord for that. Stay right with God. Keep moving forward with God. Doing the things that God wants you to have. Keeping a close account of sin. But, but you know, there are those that, that will serve God only out of convenience. May I say, that is idolatry. And the idolatry is your own willful self wanting to do what it is that you want to do instead of what God is telling you to do. And oh, how we need to be careful because disobedience, and you are being disobedient, brings about idolatry, and idolatry brings about a desecration of the holy. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord and he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem. God, I don't want to hear from you. Don't want to hear anything that you have and, and uh, I, I am my own God and, and the heart wants what the heart wants and so I'm going to get what it is that I want and, and we see in doing so there's a desecration of the holy. And this desecration brings about an arrogance that only God will put down. And in every several city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense unto other gods and provoke to anger the Lord God of his fathers. Wow. And then he died. It's the end of it. He's dead. It's over. What a testimony. I mean, I, 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 uh, I, I, I just take fair warning, and I think we all need to, that we need to make sure that we walk the way that we should. And let us make sure that we have the kind of testimony that God wants us to have. Because could, could you not sense in his life, you go back and read about him in Second Kings also, but there was just turmoil through the entire kingdom that, that he had. And through the entire reign, there's just turmoil and chaos and and drama, and whatever else you want to say, and, and there's never any peace, and there's never any satisfaction, and, and you don't get anywhere, and, and it just seems that your whole life is a struggle, and, well, maybe there's a reason for that. And maybe we need to get right with God and make sure that we are, because then we get into chapter 29, and Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old, and he reigned 9 and 20 years in Jerusalem, and his mother, mother's name was Abijah, the, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. And then he goes on and he, and he says, you know what? We need to get things right. And, and he brought the priests and the Levites together. And, and he told them in verse 11, he said, My son, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister unto him, 
and burn incense. And it says in verse 15, they gathered their brethren, sanctified themselves, and came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. I, I, when I was reading this in my devotions, it saddened my heart that here they came and, and they come in and the first thing that they have to do is they just need to clean up all the mess of, of the desecration from his dad and those that, that had desecrated the holy, desecrated the sacred. And, and, and I, I've been saying this for a long time now, but, but it seems as if in our society today there is nothing sacred. Nothing. I mean, marriage is no longer sacred. I mean, that, that's just, you know, marriage is, uh, uh, I don't mean this to be insulting, but, and, and look, I, I'm, I've been doing this a long time now, and I know that, that our kids could make some bad choices and be in the gutter in, in, in a short amount of time. I, I know that. And that's why I pray for them daily, that it won't happen. But I find it sad when you see a wedding like yesterday and it's out of the norm. It is. It's just out of the norm. And, and you know, pe people just can't imagine that that, that is the way that, that marriages are. And while our society has such a flippant attitude towards, towards marriage today, and, and, and how, you know, I, I told somebody yesterday, I said, I think maybe I'm going to have people start signing a written contract that if you leave your spouse, the pastor gets to shoot you. And you can't file charges, <laughs> nor can many family members. All right? Let's, let's, make, let's understand that it's still death do you part. All right? And, oh. But here we, we see that, that our, our world has, has minimalized what, what is sacred and pushed it aside. And, and we've just gone along with it. And, 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 you know, and, and they just tell us that, well, as a church, we just need to adapt to the culture and, and adapt to what they want. And, and it'll be okay. I never see God tell us to do that. And then it goes on, and so here he's bringing them up, and, and so they kill the bullocks, and they, and they kill the lambs, and they kill the rams, and they make a great sacrifice, and, they, and they're sanctified, and they're, and they're praising the Lord. And, and then, in, I'm sorry, I didn't give you guys chapter 30 also, so you're probably going to lose, the, you're going to have to quit being lazy and get your Bible out. All right, and so not going to see this, but uh, chapter 30 also tells us in verse 5, so they established a decree to make proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba even to Dan that they should come to keep the Passover and the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem, for they had not done it as, of a long time in such sort as it was written. Could you imagine what our society would be if all of a sudden our president got saved Vice President got saved. There was a great revival in Washington, D.C., and they came out on television and they said, you know what, next Sunday we want everybody in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, gospel-believing church, and we want to celebrate and worship our God and give him all the honor and all the glory. Yeah. But would Pelosi squeal? 
<laughs> she got saved too. Well, amen. <laughs> That's what he did. That's what he did. He said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to serve God. We're going to be all in. We're, we're going to do this. And, and it says in verse 6 of the post, when, with the letters from the kings and his princes throughout all Israel and Judah, according to the commandment of the kings, saying, You children of Israel, turn again unto the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And he will return to the remnant of you that are escaped out of the hand of the kings of Assyria. May I tell you, Mr. Jeremy, may I tell you, everybody, that we were talking today, and, and you were saying that, that you know, and, and hey, I want to be all in. Well, I want you to know it doesn't matter how far you've gotten away, that as soon as you get your heart right and you come back to him, he is there and he's willing to open his arms up to you and bring you back and help you to get back to where you need to be. I mean, what a joy that is to know that. And, and here, his dad had desecrated everything, had become an idolater, and, and had walked away from God. And he says, hey, God, we want to do this right, and we want to do what God wants us to do. And God says, come on. Let's do this. And let's make it right, and let's do what, what it is that we ought to be. And, and he says in verse 9, for if you turn again unto the Lord... Your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that led them captive. I mean, there, there's nothing better than to let your children know about the grace and the mercy of God. And, and in this desecrating culture today, and, and we have so many people that are, that are out tonight, and they'll teach their kids how to, I don't know, let, let's just get a little personal, okay? That they can teach their children how to showboat their they're, they're pigs at fair, and, and they can showboat their cows and spend thousands and thousands of dollars petting on this furry creature that I'm going to put in the freezer and I'm going to eat him. We can, we can spend thousands of dollars teaching our children as we're sitting there this afternoon watching our kids strike out for the third time in, in that game, and you're thinking, why in the world am I spending all this money when this kid can't even hit that stupid baseball? Why is it then that we can spend all of our money? Man, Pastor, I just can't tithe. I, I, I'd give more money to the church if I could. And, and then the pastor, out of the blue, I don't know why God does this to me. I find out, the guy said, man, I just can't tithe. And I found out he has eight season tickets to the Broncos. We'll sell them. I, you know, I mean, we make gods out of everything. We desecrate the holy. We desecrate the sacred. Maybe it's just you're flat lazy and you idolize yourself and say, hey, this recliner just feels too good. I'm just flat worn out, preacher. I can't come and sit and listen to you because all I'm going to do is fall asleep. No, you won't. Not tonight. <laughs> Be ye not stiff-necked, he said, too. And then it says that so the post passed from city to city through the country. You know what? I, I got to be nice. I, you know, I'm, I'm not against any of those things, okay? I love baseball. I hate football anymore, but I love baseball. I love, you know, it, we're in the summer. We went to Frontier Days. Rodeos every stinking weekend. Rodeos on Sunday. No, I mean, it's everything. It's everything. I mean, we can get so distracted by everything that's out there. So, 
says, so the post passed from city to city to the country of Ephraim, Manasseh, verse 10, even unto Zebulun, but they laughed them to scorn and mocked them. Oh, the world doesn't see any benefit in it at all. Nevertheless, diverse of Asher and Manasseh and of Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Also in Judah, the hand of God was to give them one heart to do the commandment of the king and of the princes by the word of the Lord. And then it says in verse 18, For a multitude of the people, even many of Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar, Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves, yet they did eat the Passover otherwise. And it was written, The Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon every one. You see, they, they, they hadn't been ceremonially cleansed like they should have. Uh, they didn't understand some of this, and, and, but their heart was pure. Their heart was right with God in this situation that uh, prepared his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. So here we see Hezekiah prayed, and Lord, you know their hearts, and, and he did, and, and he listened, and he healed the people. And then verse 26 so there was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there was not the like in Jerusalem. Then the priests, the Levites, arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place, even unto heaven. We need that peace, do we not? This world doesn't give it to us. There's nothing wrong with, you know, look, there's nothing wrong with the county fair. There's nothing wrong with your kid playing baseball. There's nothing wrong with enjoying recreation. There, there, there isn't anything wrong with that, but make sure it has its place. And don't desecrate the holy to idolize something that will never bring you pleasure. All it does is push you more... Look at our society today. I mean, everybody's trying to buy a boat. Everybody's trying to buy a recreational vehicle. Everybody, you know, the, the, all the camping spots in Colorado are booked every weekend. You know, people are trying to decompress, and then you, you, you go to a campground, and you're right, you, you're closer to your neighbor there than you are at home. You get on the, you get on the lake, and people are rude, and... You know, and, and I don't know, I mean, you, you get on the highway and you about get ran over when you're doing 85 miles an hour because you're holding up traffic because they got to get to their recreation spot. Got to try to find some fun. Got to try to calm the nerves and, 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 and get decompress. Man, every time I go to Denver anymore, I just might as well take a blood pressure pill before I even go. Uh, but you know what I see here? There's such a difference, isn't there? from Hezekiah and Ahaz and and we see a joy in the nation we see a joy with the king we we see a joy with with the the people of the country that that they did not have with Ahaz look like I said all those other things have a proper place when they're in their proper place and when they are there in their proper place and God is priority then you have the peace, you have the contentment, you have the joy, and God blesses. That's what we want. That's what we want. 
That's what I got out of this. I just saw that, Lord, I just need to focus more on you and quit wanting and, and quit seeking for things that, that I think that are going to fulfill that and just trust you and put you first and be content with my walk with you and trust you that you have all these things under control and God can do whatever he wants. He can save Pelosi. Wouldn't that be great? Boy, that would turn California upside down. Wouldn't that be a hoot? So let's just follow him. Let's walk with him. Let's see what God can do, and let's be all in for God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Hezekiah and his tender heart towards you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have that kind of a heart also. Help us follow the example of David and Hezekiah and even Solomon in his early years. And help us, Lord, to, to be individuals that listen to you and walk with you. I, I pray that we'll be a church that stands for you. Lord, I thank you for each one who's here. I pray your blessings upon them. I pray you guide them direct them, encourage them, and strengthen them. Lord, we thank you for tonight. Pray you guide us and direct us in Jesus' name. Amen.